I've spoken with uh, Dakota before, a little girl by the name of Luca. And when I look at Luca's picture, all you see is just this beautiful, happy, normal little girl. But obviously she has had quite a run. I think that's that's fair to say. So let's uh, let's check in with Dakota and find out more about the journey that Luca has been on and that the whole family has been on. Uh, Dakota, Cody, uh, nice to have you on this morning. Uh, good to talk to you again. How are you? Well, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. You know, you know where I'm at. You know what I'm looking at. Was it kind of intimidating the first time you guys showed up, or were you just so? And we'll get in into uh, into Luca's story so that people understand. But tell me about your first impression when you came into this building. Uh, yeah, so it's a massive atrium, and I know exactly where you're sitting right now. You go in there, there's all these different levels, elevators, stairs, so many different people all over the place. And it's interesting, just as you were talking about that atrium, over the course of the months that we were there, that became our home. And I, I kind of miss that atrium sometimes and seeing all the familiar doctors and nurses as they're taking lunches and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it became a second home for us, for sure. So tell us what brought you here, why you ended up here, how suddenly it seemed to come on. Tell us a little bit about Luca's story. So when Luca was about a year old, um, we started to notice uh, some symptoms um, that we took her to the children's hospital for. Um, they weren't really sure what was happening. Um, and so, and, and sorry, they, just, just they, for perspective for our listeners, you live in Okotoks in the children's hospital in Calgary. So that, that was the nearest one for you. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah, just sort of uh eventually we got to the, the ultrasound and we got the results. She had a, um, a grapefruit sized tumor. Uh, so it was about 10 pounds in her, um, and uh, so we had to have that removed. Um, during that operation, something happened. And um, over the course of the night, um, her liver numbers uh, started to rise drastically. And um, we were basically pulled into a room and told, we do not have the equipment uh, to deal with what's happening to your daughter right now. We need to airlift her to the stallery, uh, because the stallery is deal with um, with transplants and such, and uh, it's um, it's the transplant capital of Western Canada. The doctors are up in, at the stallery, um, so we were airlifted up there, and uh, they kind of sat us down and told us that we had uh, 12 to 24 hours left with Luca. Um, as a result of the um, lack of blood flow to her internal organs. Um, and that really, sitting in that room uh, was kind of, it's every parent's worst nightmare. Um, and so we were sitting there in shock. Uh, how did this happen to our family? Um, you, you always kind of hear about it on the news, and it's sad, and then, and then it became real for us. Um, and then so that 12 to 24 hours, she uh, needed a multi-visceral abdominal um, organs. Um, and so for seven and a half weeks, she clung on with the care from the stallery. Um, and I cannot uh, speak highly enough 
of the care that we received at the Stollery. Um, the doctors, the nurses, um, like I, we talk about it like it was our second home. Um, they were just so accommodating for us. Um, nurses and doctors going above and beyond um, what was expected of them um, and doing things that, that made us feel comfortable there, uh, feel safe, uh, communicating everything that, uh, answering every question, communicating everything that was happening to her, uh, what their thoughts were. Um, and so after seven and a half weeks, uh, we got a call at, uh, I think it was three in the morning, uh, that they had found a donor uh, that was a suitable size for Luca, that, uh, that she would be getting that donation. And that was the week before Christmas that we got that call. Um, and then since then, um, we've had a couple hiccups, but, uh, I mean, you were talking about her. She looks like a totally normal, happy, healthy yeah. little girl. And, uh, yeah, she's in kindergarten now. She loves going to school. And you would not be able to tell uh, the whole ordeal that she's been through. You know, I'm going to take you back in that story a little bit to when you first arrived at the uh, at the Stollery after, you know, going into multi-organ failure because of this remover, removal of this tumor. So you were told that, you know, at best guess at that point, she might have 24 hours to live? Uh, yeah, it was 12 to 24 hours, and that was best case scenario in their mind. And yet they, and yet they found a way, and to, to put it bluntly, to keep her alive somehow until she could get that life-saving transplant. That's just, that's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, cannot speak highly enough of what they did um, and what Luca's body did as well. It was a combination of the two, and uh, we sat down um, and had daily meetings with the doctors, and sometimes the daily update was, I can't explain what's happening right now, but the liver numbers are back to normal. I can't explain this, but the ammonia level that uh, we've been tracking and trending up has suddenly been reduced. Um. <laughs> yeah, you know, you use the words miracle sometimes get thrown about, and maybe that's what that is. Sometimes it's a, it's a calculated miracle because of the ability and the strengths and the education and the compassion and the caring of doctors and nurses and healthcare staff and that little girl's spirit. It sounds like it was quite a combination of all of that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it w- definitely was. They actually uh, refer to her as their little Christmas miracle. So... <laughs> They definitely recognize her as the miracle, too. That's amazing. Uh, you know, we often hear about uh, people because that we draw from so many areas because of the, the specialized abilities that are here at the Stollery. And so you're coming from southern Alberta and Okotoks. Uh, there are people that come from much farther away as well. Uh, you know, what, what kind of things helped you get through being here in a different city away from home with your daughter who was facing such a life-threatening illness? Were, were, were there, there things done or, or assistance or things done by the story that helped to make that manageable? Yeah, so um, they have a social worker uh, that helped us deal with parking, deal with lodging, uh, deal with food they had a little room that we were able to stay in for the first 
week or two uh, that just that we were able to stay um, at so that we didn't have to leave the hospital. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they just kind of made sure that everything was taken care of. Um, huge community um, that would come up the week and uh, just kind of love on us. That stepped up huge for us um, because it became such a publicized story. Um, yeah. People would call us and say, hey, what do you guys need from us? And we didn't know these people. Uh, never spoken to them in our life and uh, they would say hey you don't know me but I'm going to come and collect your guys' laundry and I'm going to help you guys by just doing your laundry little acts of kindness just went such a long way for us so we are truly being held and loved here in this city and so you must still have a connection. Do you are there still checkups? Are there follow ups uh, for Luca, or just just keeping tabs on you, or how does that working? Oh yeah, they they love to keep tabs on us. Uh, it's uh, an annual checkup, and uh, every every year we go up to Edmonton, uh, where they just kind of review where she is at developmentally. Uh, we get blood work, bone density scans, and just an overall just. How are you? How are you guys doing as a family as well? Um, I think that seems to be the major question now: is how how have we been adapting to this new life of a uh, immunocompromised child? Um, and then we also have a couple follow-ups in Calgary as well. Yeah, uh, you know, I I love I love your Christmas miracle. I love hearing about it, uh, and. Uh, I can hear it in your voice how, how thankful you are and how proud you are of your little girl, but also thankful to the Stollery as well. I want to thank you again for, for chatting with us, Cody. Good to talk yeah. to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.